This is New Bedford's news talk station. The place where the South Coast comes to talk about all the hottest issues locally and beyond. This is WBSM. Call in to have your voice heard at 508-996-0500. Or open up the WBSM app and hit app chat to text us. Or open line to leave us a voicemail. Let's hear it, South Coast. Good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Welcome into the program. And today will be the first day of summer. Coming up in just a few hours, it'll officially turn summer, 10.57 a.m. Also, happy birthday to my son, Adam. He turns 19 today. Uh, so, a sunny day all the way around. And we have a lot that we're going to discuss today. We're going to learn about some events that are happening around New Bedford uh, a little bit later on in the program. But, of course, we'll take your calls throughout at 508-996-0500. We will also take your app chat messages on the WBSM app. You can also send us recorded voicemails using the open line feature on the WBSM app. And you heard Adam mention in the in the news that the submersible still remains unfound, that... Um, a plane doing audio surveillance of the ocean heard knocks. And the knocks were happening about every 30 minutes. So hopefully that helps them zero in on where those are coming from because time is running short for the folks on board the missing submersible. And as, as we were talking yesterday... You know, we, we talked about whether or not it's, and again, I have to put out the caveat. All of this is that we hope that these five people are rescued safely alive. But the conversations have already started. And one of those conversations was, should people be visiting the site of the Titanic? Should people be going down there and taking tourist trips to what is essentially a mass grave? And we had some callers that, you know, thought that that was not such a good thing. There's been a, another backlash to this story that I've seen on social media and even heard a little bit about in regular media. And that's the idea that some people are looking at this. And, and again, this is horrible to say while we're still trying to find these people. But some people are looking at this and saying, well, you know, it's a bunch of wealthy people doing things that only wealthy people can do. It's almost like they somehow deserve it. There was that, there was that, um, that ship in the Mediterranean that was carrying immigrants that sank. And people are pointing to that and saying, well, there were less people concerned about that than there are about, you know, five people who are essentially billionaires or at least millionaires in a submersible sub on a tourist trip to the Titanic. And I, I understand that sentiment, but at the same time, nobody deserves what those people are going through. And in fact, it seems like it should have been avoidable. There are former employees of the company former employees who are coming out and saying 
Oh, we had concerns about this a while back. These these are ocean former Ocean Gate employees who pointed out that there were some issues with the hull. Now I don't know how that correlates that you have an issue with the hull and that correlates somehow with losing track of the ship. But I was reading a timeline. A timeline of how these journeys, these trips, are supposed to break down. And I'm wondering exactly when they were aware that there was an issue based on this timeline. Because it seems like, and again, I could be wrong, but I'm just going by the way that it was laid out. They would go out to the site. The folks would get in the submersible. They would release it. They lost contact with it, what, like an hour and 45 minutes into the trip? Oh, just under two hours into the trip, they lost track with it, lost track of it. And then they just said, well, it's supposed to come back up at 6.15, so we'll just see what happens. That seems to be the way it's being portrayed, and I don't know how accurate that is. But is that is that the way to handle these trips? Should you not be... I would think that you would have a second vehicle on board, second submersible, that if you lost communication, lost track, unless that's supposed to happen. But you should at least be able to detect it on sonar. So... Why not send another one down to just, you know, spot spot it, just to see it, to lay eyes on it? I don't know. Maybe I haven't been paying enough attention to all the ins and outs of how it works. But to me, it just seems like there was a little bit of a laissez-faire attitude to this initial incident. And I don't know if that was to keep it quiet. I don't know if that was uh, because it had happened before and they'd never, you know, it had been no big deal before. Yeah, we lost, you know, but then it resurfaces. Everything's fine. Or if the reporting just isn't accurately reflecting what happened over the course of those hours. But if you have thoughts on it, 508-996-0500. And I said, I get the idea of, you know, why are people paying attention to four rich guys and a pilot who are down in the sub down in the submersible when there is a a, a ship of immigrants that sinks. I understand that. But I also think like that's a conversation you have after this is resolved one way or the other, hopefully with them being rescued and returned, but at least with having some answers to what's going on. And it has captured the world's attention. I think part of it is people had no idea that you could even do this. I didn't know that this was happening. I knew that there were plans for further research trips out to the Titanic, but I didn't know that they were letting everyday citizens go down there. I shouldn't say everyday citizens because with a $200,000 price tag, they're not exactly everyday citizens. 
I would think that a, a lot of this stuff has all the makings of a story that would make people interested despite the fact that, you know, you know what I mean? Like, despite the fact that they're millionaires, like, there's a lot of intrigue to this story because, again, it's something people didn't know existed. It's something that parallels the Titanic. That was one of the tweets that I saw. Somebody said something along the lines of, you know, in 1912, when a bunch of millionaires sank on the Titanic, public sentiment was, well, maybe that's karma. And maybe this is like round two of that. And I was like, man. There, I see the correlation between what's happening here in the original Titanic. But wait, wait to, wait to dump on two tragedies. And I think part of the reason why people are so fascinated with this is people are always fascinated with any rescue effort. One of the first ones I remember as a kid was when baby Jessica fell down the well. And being glued to the TV, not me, because I was, you know, young, I didn't, I didn't really care that much, but my mom certainly was glued to the TV. There was no regular programming on, unless you were watching the UHF channels, because all the big channels, the big networks were all focused on this coverage. And then Waco, you know, as a rescue effort, as trying to get the people out, I think fascinated people as well. And that was another one where there was pretty much round the clock television coverage of that. You could, at that point, cable news was pretty much established, but you had other networks like uh, Court TV and some of these other cable channels that were trying to establish themselves. You know, Court TV kind of grew its legs with the OJ trial. But you saw people focused in on this and basically holding their collective breath. And so that, I think that's going to draw people in more than anything. So whatever you think of the socioeconomic factors of this, whatever you think of the scientific factors of this, when there is a rescue effort like this, people are going to collectively hold their breaths. So we can talk more about that if you want. We can talk about Hunter Biden if you want, but there's not really much to talk about there. Uh, I think a lot of people had the chance yesterday to call in and if they were upset about it, to kind of vent their feelings about it. Um, I'm looking at it from the perspective of that I didn't really expect anything to come out of all of this anyway. So if you are still outraged about that, you can call in and chime in, but... There could be more. I mean, I know that everything points to the unlikelihood that there is more and that his lawyer said, you know, it seems to him that this uh, that this is wrapped up. But it's funny because you would think people who are clamoring for something to happen and complaining that it was just being ignored, they would at least be happy something was happening because does does this prove you right? Does this prove you right that the Bidens are a crime family because Hunter didn't pay his taxes for two years and had a gun while he was taking drugs? 
So you can sound off on that if you want, 508-996-0500. I think, first of all, there's no guarantee that just because his lawyer says everything's over, that everything's over. Keep that in mind. You know, the lawyers are always going to put a positive spin on things as much as they can. So it doesn't necessarily mean that this is, you know, the... uh, the shake hands and walk away that some people think it's going to be. Again, as with anything, I always say, you know, stay tuned, see how it shakes out. 508-996-0500. Hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. We'll also talk a little bit. Yesterday was the anniversary, the 48th anniversary of the release of the film Jaws. And first of all, I kicked up a little controversy on my Facebook by saying my honest feelings about Jaws. I think it's an okay movie. I mean, I get it. I get why it's great. I get the technical aspects of it that are fantastic. I get the fact that a malfunctioning shark led to the creation of suspense of of having the menace without having to see it, which then lent itself to numerous horror movies afterwards. I get how groundbreaking it was in terms of its technical creation as well as being the first summer blockbuster. I get all that. But I just don't love it as much as other people do. It's okay. If I'm flipping through the channels and it's on, I'll probably watch it. It's not my favorite Steven Spielberg movie. It's not my favorite horror movie. In fact, I don't even consider it a horror movie. I consider it more of a thriller. And I I think that its legacy got tarnished with the sequels. Jaws 2 wasn't so bad. I liked Jaws 3 as a kid. I don't know, maybe because I saw it in 3D. And then seeing it not in 3D, but seeing how cheesy some of the scenes were being made for 3D. But I liked that. It was on HBO all the time when I was a kid. So I watched it quite a bit. I think I've seen Jaws 4 once, and it was bad. So I think that kind of tarnished things a little bit in my mind too, but I just don't fall all over myself about the movie like other people do. I have a friend who, like, thinks it's the greatest movie ever made. Don't know about that. But it does have a New Bedford connection. So on the 40th anniversary, 48th anniversary of the film's release... I wrote an article at WBSM.com and on the app looking at the connection not only between New Bedford and the film Jaws. And as I'm learning, there are other connections because some of the the, uh, commenters are sharing some other things that I didn't know. But there's a connection between New Bedford and the movie Jaws and as well as WBSM and the movie Jaws. So you can check that out uh, on the app and on the website and we'll talk about it. Later on this morning, but right now, I've got to take my first break. So let's do that. We'll be back in a few moments. Oh, well, I don't know why the computer isn't playing any music, but we'll figure that out later on. Welcome back in. And uh, in just a few moments, we'll be going into the newsroom. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about making sure that your home is ready 
for all that summer will bring. Now, you've been probably, if you've been watching the news, you've been seeing them follow some potential hurricanes that are developing, some storms that are developing. That's because we are in hurricane season. And while we don't really get hit too bad with hurricanes straight on ahead here in New Bedford and on the south coast, we get a lot of remnants of hurricanes. That means a lot of rain will be coming down on your roof, hopefully, this summer, as long as we don't have another drought. And if that's the case, make sure that your roof is ready to handle all of that. If your roof is fading, peeling, if you have noticed some spots of leakage, don't wait around. Don't think to yourself, well, if I can just get to the end of the summer and you know get into the fall and maybe the winter. No, don't mess around because you've spent a lot of money on your home and a lot of money on the things inside your home and you want to protect it. So you want to call Precision Window and Kitchen because, yeah, Window and Kitchen is in their name and they do that. They will do window replacements. They will do one window replacement or all your windows. They'll even do one pane of glass if that's what you need. And they will do a kitchen remodel for you and a bathroom remodel for you and all kinds of other projects inside your home. But what they will also do is they will put a new roof on your home. So if your home needs a new roof, call Precision Window and Kitchen because I'm going to tell you a secret. When you call other guys, they're just going to go to Precision and get a lot of the materials and other things from them. So why not just get right to the people that have been doing it better than anybody for almost 30 years. Go to Precision Window and Kitchen. You can visit them at 1111 Acushnet Avenue in New Bedford. Go in their showroom. They'll show you some of their materials, and you'll be able to see for yourself exactly what they can do for you. Or you can go online at precisionwindowandkitchen.com. And when you go there, you can enter in all your information to get yourself a free quote. So don't wait around for a new roof. Get it done ASAP with Precision Window and Kitchen, or call them for any other job that you need done around the house because they do it right. They do the jobs that are too big for the other guys. They do the jobs that are too small for the other guys and everything in between. Again, PrecisionWindowAndKitchen.com. Let's head now into the newsroom with Adam Bass. House Republicans are speaking out against the president's son, Hunter Biden's plea agreement on tax charges with federal prosecutors. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer called it a sweetheart deal that reveals a two-tiered system of justice. He said Biden is getting away with a slap on the wrist. Comer said his committee will continue investigating whether the Biden family engaged in an influence peddling scheme during Biden's time as vice president. Hunter has agreed to plead guilty to check tax misdemeanors and enter a diversion agreement related to a gun charge. Reports say prosecutors plan to recommend a sentence of probation on the tax charges. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders of Arkansas is not happy after the federal judge struck down her state's ban on gender-affirming care for minors. U.S. Judge Jay Moody's yesterday decided to, to issue a permanent injunction against the ban, calling it unconstitutional. Sanders took to Twitter after the decision, writing that it is not care, but it instead activists pushing a political agenda at the expense of our kids and subjecting them to permanent and harmful procedures. She said an appeal is planned. A bipartisan group of lawmakers is pushing for a federal commission to develop regulations for artificial intelligence technology. Lisa Taylor has more. 
A bill introduced by Representatives Ted Lieu of California and Kim Buck of Colorado would require Congress and the White House to appoint 20 people to the commission to come up with a strategy to regulate AI. The efforts from Congress come as the Biden administration is also considering AI risks following the rapid development of generative AI technology. Lou said while AI is doing amazing things for society, it can also cause significant harm if left unchecked and unregulated. I'm Lisa Taylor. The governor of Pennsylvania says traffic will begin flowing along Interstate 95 again this coming weekend. A portion of the busy highway has been closed since a bridge collapsed last week due to a tanker truck fire. While giving an update on repairs Tuesday, Governor Josh Shapiro said paving could begin Wednesday. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito is defending himself after an article coming out that questions his ethics. The Wall Street Journal on Tuesday published a commentary by Alito addressing an upcoming story from ProPublica that claims the justice failed to recuse himself from cases involving hedge fund founder Paul Singer after Alito failed to report certain gifts from Singer. One of those gifts was a private flight to Alaska for a fishing trip. Alito claims neither charge is valid and accommodates for social events that were not reportable for gifts. Virginia-based Gannett is suing Google. Sarah Bartlett has more. The largest newspaper publisher in the country alleges Google holds a monopoly over digital advertising markets. Gannett filed the lawsuit in a New York federal court. It argues that the tech giant controls how publishers buy and sell online ads. The lawsuit says that it results in significantly less revenue for its rivals and publishers alike, while Google rakes in exorbitant monopoly profits. I'm Sarah Bartlett. And Domino's will soon be able to deliver your pizza without an address. The pizza chain is launching an Anywhere delivery on its app, which will allow you to order food by dropping a pin. The company said in a release that it will be great to use during the summer, when people head to the beaches and parks where providing an exact dress could be a difficult situation. Customers will be able to track their order's location and get text alerts about their driver. In sports, the Red Sox notch a sixth win as they beat the Minnesota Twins last night, 10-4. The two enter game three of their series tonight at 7.40 p.m. in Minneapolis. And now here's your ABC6 weather forecast. For the first day of summer, expect those temperatures only to be about 68 degrees today. We'll be partly cloudy skies through the day. Sunset is 8.23 p.m. tonight. Overnight, we get down to about 51 degrees with mostly cloudy skies. Tomorrow, warming up a bit, we'll be in the 70s. Rain chances stay pretty minimal until we get into the weekend. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. It is currently 57 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app.
Welcome back in 508-996-0500 or hit us up on app chat on the WBSM app or you can send us an open line voicemail if you want to have your voice heard but you can't stick around and wait on the phone or our schedule doesn't work with yours. You're running around trying to get to work. You're trying to get the kids ready for, well, no, probably not. School's probably out for you. But whatever it may be that's keeping you from being able to call in, you can always just send us a voicemail, and you can do that anytime. It doesn't have to be during the show. If you want to leave a voicemail for me to play on the program in the morning, but it's something that pops into your mind at 8.30 at night, record it, send it over, and then we can play it on the show in the morning. It's just one of the many great features on the WBSM app, which if you haven't downloaded it yet, what are you waiting for? So many great things. You get live traffic, live weather, you get access to all of our great stories. You get breaking news alerts. You can set your alarm to wake you up with WBSM. You can have all of our podcasts. It really is a phenomenal app. It does everything that you would want it to do related to WBSM, which I know you love listening to. So download the app today at your app store, or you can go right to WBSM.com and click on the listen tab. And there's all kinds of information in there for you. To make it nice and easy, they'll send it right to your email on your phone so you can download it, get it up and running. And it's all brought to you by our friends at South Coast Towing who want to make sure that you get WBSM in the easiest and most direct way possible. Speaking of the WBSM website, if you head on over there, at the top of the page, you're going to see some different things at the top. Of course, we have our bear tracker that we've been talking about with these bear stories the bears seem to have kind of moved north now so we haven't been tracking them as many uh, tracking them as much but if more bears pop up down here we'll track those but what you will also see on there you'll see a tab uh, a tab there for south coast lemonade day that's where your child can go to register for lemonade day you'll also see a contest called not bummer summer which you know if you're looking <laughs> What what would make it not a bummer in summer? How about winning a $500 prepaid gift card? So you can go there and find out how you can enter to win that. But then we also have uh, Maddie at Fun 107 put together a list of all of the fireworks that will be happening around the area uh, for the 4th of July. And, of course, if you've been in this area long enough, you know not all of the fireworks happen on the 4th of July. Some of them take place the day before some of them might be happening the weekend before it's not just about the fourth of july for a couple of reasons one some towns would rather do it on a weekend or do it on a different day because it works better for them but also there's a lot of municipalities that do them on the fourth of july so why not offset yours and have yours the night before or the night after or two nights after or the next weekend in fact, it was a controversial thing last year where Wareham had been they'd been doing the onset fireworks for, for years when they could raise the funds. And instead, the organization that puts that on said, we're going to save our fireworks. And instead of doing them on the 4th of July, we're going to do them as part of our Harvest Moon Festival in September. Now, the Harvest Moon Festival is has grown to become a big deal. But it's also one of their crown jewels in their annual calendar. So to be able to add something like fireworks to that, 
puts it over the top. But people lost their minds. What do you mean you're not going to have the 4th of July fireworks? Well, you can still go down to Onset Beach and watch fireworks because you're going to see them happening in the sky. Marion has theirs. New Bedford has theirs. And that's part of the, the thinking of the people that put them on in Onset is you can go you can go to Plymouth. There's a lot of other options for 4th of July fireworks. But September, where are you going to see a lot of fireworks? So there's going to be a lot of people that want to come to Onset for those that will then come to the Harvest Moon Festival and will then come support Onset businesses and artisans and crafters and all of that. So it made sense to me. The other part of it, too, is it's an, an annual fundraising challenge for them to be able to raise the money for the fireworks display. So giving yourself a couple of more months to raise that money is beneficial. Because, yeah, you can say, well, you should start fundraising on July 5th. But let's face it, people aren't thinking about donating to the following year's 4th of July fireworks on July 5th. They start to think about it in February, March, April. So now you've got a few more months of time and people will be in fireworks mode to get them to donate. The other part of it, too, is it's probably easier on the police who on 4th of July weekend are super busy or 4th of July week are super busy. And this way here, the details, shutting down the roads, all that stuff is a lot easier to do in September than it is in July. The only downside is they don't have the auxiliary officers that they have in, in the summertime, but they can bring in additional help. So I, I thought it was a fine idea. I liked the idea, but a lot of people were up in arms about it last year. And you can you you can tell. We we knew New Bedford was gonna have Fourth of July fireworks, right? Minus the pandemic. They've always had 4th of July fireworks. They have New Year's Eve fireworks. The mayor's office waits to announce that they're having them until they've you know, brought in all the, fund, all the sponsors that they're going to bring in so that everybody gets a fair recognition for the sponsorship. We know they're going to happen, but they wait to make the announcement. Yet people still get antsy about it. I've already gotten messages and emails for the past couple of weeks. Do you know if New Bedford's going to have fireworks? Of course they're going to have fireworks. But they just made the official announcement yesterday. And I'm sure Mayor Mitchell will talk about that with Chris and Marcus later on this morning. But there will be fireworks in New Bedford. You don't have to worry. I don't know why you were worried before. I would think that if for some reason they weren't going to have them, Mayor Mitchell would have let us know about that already. And they just kind of take for granted that people already know that they're happening and they can wait to make the announcement for all the sponsors for it. 508-996-0500. Where do you like to go to see the fireworks? Where is your favorite place to go? You don't have to reveal your exact location, although you can if you want to. Uh, but if you have your secret spot that you go to that you don't want to have overcrowded, I'm not looking for that. But, you know, where do you go to see fireworks? Obviously, many people listening probably go to New Bedford on the 4th of July to see them. But where are some of the other places that you go? For my family growing up, it was always the Brockton Fair on July 3rd because we would we, – my family comes from Randolph. My parents were raised in Randolph. And my grandparents lived there 
as long as they were alive during my whole life. So we would go to my grandmother lived right on North Main Street in Randolph, which was the parade route for their 3rd of July parade. And we would go down there. We'd get there about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We'd either get some pizzas from Linwood or we would be barbecuing up some burgers and hot dogs. We'd set up our folding chairs out in front of the house on the sidewalk. My cousin and I would usually hop on our bikes and we would like ride along with the parade. The last couple of years I went to the parade, we actually drove in his barracudas that he had. But we, um, we would go there and do that and then go to the Brockton Fair. And some people would want to go to, you know, July 7th fireworks somewhere. I'm not a big fireworks fan. I know. I'm a bit of a wet blanket when it comes to that. Uh, let's take a quick call here. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Good morning. How are you? Uh, McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket. Baseball, mm-hmm. baseball ends, fireworks. What a way to go. Well, they're going to have, I think they're having one last fireworks display, one, right? And I'm going, oh, yeah, one last one over there, yes. Are you sad to see that, that go, though? That was a great place. It was a good show. Are, are you sad to see McCoy go? Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, it was a great place. But, I mean, yep. I understand, you know, wanting to have the, the, the Woo Sox now, but um, yep. I would have thought they could have brought something into McCoy. Because it doesn't take Boston much to have an evening or night out. Exactly, right. Exactly, it's affordable. Absolutely. Oh, but, and they're going to make a high school of it, so they're going to put the good use of that community. Good, good use, finally. Yeah, that's true, yeah. All right, thank well, you. thank Have you for the call. Thank you as well. You. Yeah. And so, yeah, the McCoy fireworks were always, you know, you always hoped that if you were going to a game, there was fireworks that night. And there were a lot of nights. 508-996-0500. Going to take my next break. We'll be back in a few moments. Right in the sky right now, Whitney. But what a way to get you up and get you moving to start your day. Of course, that song was hitting the top of the charts 36 years ago. Imagine that. 36 years ago. That was 1987. If you asked me how long ago 1987 was, I'd be like, I don't know, like 15 years ago? No, it was 36 years ago. And think of what a year that was. The, when I look back on the 80s, 1986, 87, 88, 89, those four years had a huge influence on me with the movies that came out, the music that came out, the TV shows that I watched, of course, the things I was learning in school at that time. I look back on that period fondly. I mean, the, the 90s are probably my favorite, but that period of the late 80s as I was, you know, growing up from a, I guess, a, a kid to a preteen. What a time that was. 1987 had a lot of great music. When you would come home from school and 
if your mom or dad let you, you'd put on MTV. But if they didn't let you, you'd put it on Nickelodeon and just wait for 6 o'clock for Nick Rocks to come on. Maybe it was 6.30. And then you would get to see at least what the top videos were of the day. It was, kids, if you're listening, it was like our YouTube for watching music videos. And and uh, kids, your parents that might be listening, you can tell them it was kind of like our TRL. You probably don't remember TRL. There's um there's a network called Vice, and if you haven't seen some of the programming on Vice, it's really interesting. They do a lot of long form reporting on things, but they have a lot of very interesting shows. And one of their series that really took off was a show called Dark Side of Wrestling, where they would have these little one hour documentaries about different pro wrestlers and tell the the dark, seedy underbelly stories of some of these these wrestlers or wrestling organizations or wrestling events. It's fascinating, even if you don't like wrestling. But the the series was such a success that they started spinning it off into other things. And they had the dark side of the 90s. And now they have a series coming out uh, next month called Dark Side of the 2000s. And there's a whole episode about TRL, Total Request Live, which was MTV's flagship program through the late 90s and early 2000s during the big you know, pop music renaissance that happened. And it was huge. It was the most important thing in a lot of kids' day was getting home and watching TRL. And, like, where else could you see a show where you'd watch a Britney Spears video followed by a Korn video, followed by Christina Aguilera, then Ricky Martin, Spice Girls, and then, well, Limp Biscuit. So it was it was quite a hodgepodge of, of musical tastes. So I'm really interested in seeing what the dark side of TRL is going to be because we've heard stories over the years. Anyway, got to take my final break of the hour. Be back in a few. And welcome back in. We only have a few moments before we're going to be going into the newsroom. And then in the next hour, it's going to be all about you at 508-996-0500. In the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to be talking to some folks.